It's always uh, great to be at Cornerstone. It's my, uh, I hadn't been a, a full-time pastor. Well, you know, I, I help a, a church plant in, in Milpitas, but I haven't been a full-time pastor in, in about seven years. And this is the closest thing to uh, have a regular pulpit. I'll be here uh, next month again, and I always look forward to just uh, greeting and meeting old friends and things like that. I always like to uh, update people of what I'm doing, and uh, you know, I realize I can't do that with my wife or children, and they get really bored and they think of me as weird. But with uh, Cornerstone, I could do it and I get away with it. Okay, now the the summer version of Jeff 2016. If you notice, I'm much more I'm trimmer. Okay, uh, and I give thanks to Weight Watchers and uh, point the point system, and it's been very, very good. I feel very healthy. You know, you know, I, I suffer with an autoimmune disorder, and it's kind of like lupus type thing. And I'm, it's, I'm about 97, 98% uh, over it now through uh, managing sleep and diet and, and just stress and things like that. But at my age, if you don't want to know what my age is, I, I'm, I'm never, uh, you know, I don't ever hide. I'm 60, you know, I'm 60. But the 60 is the new 40, you know, everyone knows that, you know. Uh, so I'm actually 40 in dog years, but 60 in human years. Uh, and you get my age, it's all about grandchildren, okay? I have four grandchildren, okay? I have two daughters, and I have two son-in-laws and four grandchildren. And my grandchildren are aged from six, six years to like uh, three months. That's the oldest one. And then I have a, a, a granddaughter, uh, three years and about four months or something like that. You know, I don't really care about the months, you know. Uh, and then I have uh, a third grandson uh, who's eight months, okay. And okay, you wanna know what that one's special, okay. Because he looks like mini me, okay. That's a <laughs> it's mini me, the one that's mini me, you know. Uh, Mini-Me, there's Mini-Me, and then there's the new one, two months old, Hazel, okay? And that, uh, my oldest daughter has the three older ones, and my younger daughter has, 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 has the uh, new, uh, maybe 10 months, uh, uh, 10 weeks old now, okay? Hazel, Hazel. Okay, I gotta tell you, when we were having uh, uh, kids, and we're, we had our daughters, we're, you always, the name thing is really big, right? I gotta tell you, I gotta be honest, I love the name Hazel, but it didn't, didn't make the list naming our daughters. Okay, it's sort of an older school name. And what's old comes back in fashion, you know? So I love the name Hazel, uh, you know, and it's, uh, that's, the, that, that's really cool. Okay, now, uh, about a week ago, uh, we just came back from vacation, a family vacation. It's a, a large family gathering, and some of my wife's family and extended friends, as well as uh, my wife and I, and uh, we wanted two daughters to come, but one had a medical emergency. One daughter and the one with the three grandchildren came. And we're at a beach, and we just have a lot of fun, okay? Now, one of the highlights, besides just relaxing and chilling out and having dinner with everybody, is that uh, some of the older people, well, 20-year-olds in the group, uh, the other relatives, were playing this game on their cell phone. <laughs> and they said, it just came out. And I said, what are you talking about? It's Pokemon Go. And they're like, they're, all they're doing is this. They're doing this the whole time. They're walking around doing this, Pokemon Go. And then I said, well, you know, it's a free app, you know? Might as well download it, you know? So I'm downloading, and I said to my oldest uh, grandson, six years, I said, his name's Elias. I said, let's go, let's go catch Pokemon on the beach. He said, sure, sure, let's catch Pokemon. So I'm like carrying it, 
And then he's like, oh, here's one right there. And he's flicking it and things like that. Let's go around. So we're walking around. We, and then you run out of Pokeballs. Okay. And, you know, it's, un, it's not unlimited. They, they want you to buy them, which is how they make money. But if you're just a patient, you go around and you get them free, right? So, um, you know, we had a lot of fun. Now, the great highlight of the summer, though, is when I came here on Saturday to preach, I couldn't believe Cornerstone Church is a Pokemon stop. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Pinch me. Am I dreaming? You know, I mean, it's like that. And then there's one, roll the tortilla or something right there. You don't even have to leave this sanctuary. You know, in this message, and if you do it discreetly, Every five minutes, you could go back. You could load up with like 50 free Pokeballs while I'm preaching. God has blessed your, this church, man. Oh, man. I feel like taking it out and adding some Pokeballs right now, but I'm not, you know. Uh, I'll do it in my mind, you know. But you know that before I leave, I'm going to like, you know, do, you know, do that, you know. Now, with all the joy, I always like to joke around because I think you need to have a joyous spirit. There's much things to give thanks for. I think everything you must give thanks for. And for me, it's my grandchildren and Pokemon and, and, and iPhone and all that, you know. Uh, my health and things like that. Uh, but, you know, what's very interesting, with all the joy that I've experienced in just a while, and there's a lot of very situational joy, is that recently I've been very burdened by what has been going on in this world and in society. Uh, in emailing or texting Pastor Terry, I, I told him I'm kind of burdened and he texts me back. He says he's burdened too, what, what's happening? Because it's, it's not that this is the worst time in human history. I mean, we're not dying by the plague. We, we, don't, have, like, we don't have marauding countries coming, invading, abducting us. And, you know, we're not, the, we're not being eaten by dinosaurs. You know, we're not, we're not doing that type of stuff, you know? But there's just something happening. There's a, there's a, a tension and a, a feeling of unrest that's occurring, not as bad as some people paint it, not as good as some people wish it to be. Let's put it that way. Some of it hurt as, as occurring in the urban and city arena. I uh, grew up in New York City, 21 years. I lived in Chicago for six. And I don't know if you, you keep up with Midwest news. Uh, Midwest is like, what is that? Who cares about that? You're in California. <laughs> But, but in Chicago, it has become like a, a, a killing field in Chicago. Murders and people being shot. It's incredible what's happening. And you're having two different types of urban situations. One in which places are, are really decaying. And then you have places like New York City and San Francisco where there's this gentrification and this boom going on. So with the Chicago, you have San Francisco, and I love San Francisco, okay? My daughters love the Bay Area. They both went to schools in, in Southern California, and when they got married, one of them decided they would eventually come back up to the Bay Area and is living there, because they love the Bay Area. The other was wanting to come to the Bay Area, because this is a great place to be. You got great weather, okay? It gets a little hot in East Bay now, okay? Uh, but it's, it's, it's great weather, and you got great sports team, Okay, you, can't, you, got, you, got, uh, you got Durant now, you know, so, you know, they, they always, you know, it's really good now. And it's a very robust economy. And uh, innovation and high tech, this is the capital of the world, innovation and high tech. But what concerns me, and it's a burden, and not a burden for me, because I moved to the Bay Area in 1990. 
And when I moved to the Bay Area in 1990, I thought that that, I, I said, well, who wants to live here? It's ridiculously high prices in 1990. <laughs> 1990, you'd say, what are you talking about? 1990 is bargain basement clearance prices slashed. You can't, that's down payment. 1990, full price is down payment now. And that's my burden. Because uh, what's happening is as I teach and the students pay tuition and they live here and they work, and I said, how do they, how do they balance their life? How do they pay their bills? If you're brought here because you are very, you have a technical skill that is very valued in the Bay, the chances are you will be paid well to, to live here and you will enjoy all the things in life. You'll be taking the bus, Google bus or whatever, you know. Uh, I love Google, okay, I love Google, I love Google. Uh, but I also know that for a good portion of the Bay, they are not in the lucrative jobs. And you might be an older person who uh, is being pushed out by the high price of living here. It's insane. And I see a greater divide between the wealthy and the poor here. And that bothers me. It really does. It bothers me. It's more than just the city realm. I think that nationally, there's a lot of news going on, both in all sorts of things, and the greatest thing is the racial tension. And, you know, you'd say, well, why are you? You know, I, I'm usually, I'm, I'm Asian, okay? I'm Asian, if you didn't know, okay, I'm Asian. Uh, we're the odd ethnic group out in ethnic tension. I told people, we're like fish under the surf. We're there, but you don't see us, okay? We're not there, but I'm very concerned because there are things happening in cities, innocent people being shot, policemen being shot. I could name the cities that, you know. Uh, yesterday, uh, in Oakland, uh, a female police officer was shot at. And she wasn't hit, but they're looking for the person who shot her. That's right there, Oakland. You might, oh, that's Oakland. Who cares about Oakland? Okay, no, no, you don't want that. You don't want that. We're the Bay Area. Baton Rouge, Dallas, Minnesota, that orderly in North Florida, Ferguson, there's a lot of tension, a lot of tension. Not only nationally, in the cities and racial, you got your international. And right before the service began, between service three and four, I went out, checked my email, got some free Pokeballs. I just wanna tell you that, you know, I'm not stupid, you know. You have to redeem your time wisely. That's what I always think. And I, I was checking the news. I'm a big news junkie. Another terrorist act in Stuttgart, Germany today. That shooting in um, Munich. Oh, that's yesterday's news. Another one today in Stuttgart. Got Stuttgart, you got Munich, you got Nice, you got Paris in the United States, you got Orlando. You know, it's not the worst time in the world, but I'm burdened. With all the advancements we have in society and all the good things that we have, 
There are certain things that rear its ugly head because of a systemic problem with humankind, that we need something bigger and greater to help us. It's better than we used to be, but it's something we just can't shake. And every so often in society, in the annals of human history, it'll rear its head. The person we are studying today is by the name of Hosea, a prophet that Pastor Terry introduced. And he was called to do a very unusual thing during a very interesting glitch in human history. When God's own people began to, well, uh, 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 the largest segment of God's original ancient people, Israel, separated and left the fold and basically abdicated their faith and followed their, their own calling. And it was very upsetting to God, very, very upsetting to God. And it was to this situation that this prophet is told to do something, as Pastor Terry said, very extraordinary, because God called him to do something that is terrible. It was doomed to failure, what God was calling him, but it was to reveal the heart of God in the situation of mankind, to reveal the full plan and the picture of God in this world. Now, we're going to deal with this passage on many levels. I don't want you to apply everything to your life, but there will probably be one thing that will touch your nerve. Allow the Spirit of God to touch that nerve. I give you warning. Here's the passage. We're going to, Hosea 1, we're going to read the first uh, nine verses. It's on the left side. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry, for the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for yet a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel." On that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So what's the word Jezreel? Okay, Jezreel was a city and was a place of one of the great military political takeover atrocities in the history of northern, the northern kingdom. So it's not a, a good place. It's a place of atrocity. Something oh, we don't want to remember that. It was, it was brutal and violent. That was son number one. Verse 6, then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, name her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel that I should ever forgive them. But I will have compassion on the house of Judah. That's the group that did not defect from God and deliver them by the Lord their God and will not deliver them by the bow, sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. Now, the second child, Lo Ruhamah, it's not, a, you know, it's not, not, it's not making your top 10 list of, 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 of women's name in any generation, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it basically, if you want a, a modern equivalent, I don't love you. Okay. Gee, Dad, thanks for the name. <laughs> I don't love you, you know? Could have come, one thing more catchy, you know? Could have had something more, more succinct, like I hate you, but uh, it's not a winner of the name. I don't love you. 
Verse 8, then when she weaned lo Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, name him lo Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. The name of the third child was, you're not mine. Oof. Oof. Now, we don't understand this. We don't, you don't name your kids that way. You only understand it because what God is calling Hosea to do is a reflection of the greater theological undercurrents that is occurring. Because it's more than just Hosea, Gomer, and the children. It's God and us. I'm going to show you a slide, a slide that's going to come overhead. You need to understand it in two or three distinct sections. First, there's, the just, there's what's going on in narrative. It's Hosea, Gomer, and the children. It's real. As a matter of fact, if you don't know what's happening, you won't understand the larger story because it's, it's almost like a living parable of what God is trying to teach through this real life. And then there's the larger theme of God and a nation who rejected him. And then there's the final one, me, us. How do we fit in? You. And you must always see yourself connecting to one of the targets in there so that you read yourself in the story. Okay, I just want to tell you, you're not God, okay? So let's get rid of that one, okay? You're one of the other ones, okay? Now, what can we learn? We're going to first go with the second group, the overlay of the story, where the characters are God and then rejected people. Now, we're going to see that, again, if we go to the passage, Hosea 1, at the end of verse 2. For the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. Now, what in the world is talking about? Now, there are two prophets in the Old Testament that ministered to this group that split off. Two, Hosea and Amos. I always remember it. Ha. Okay? Hosea, Amos. Ha. And those are the two. Now, both of them look at the problem from two different perspectives. Hosea is the one that is going to live it and he's going to feel it, okay? Because he's going to talk about this defection in probably the most deepest of human relationships we can have, not work, not government, but family. Nothing is as deep and could be as joyous or painful as family. Amos, the other one, deals with it by the facts, judicially. You want to know what's wrong with you? Well, I'm going to tell you. You get Hosea and you get Amos. They come in from different perspectives. You put them together. You pretty much understand what's happening. Now, what is their issue? There's three of them. Two are found here and one is found in Amos. Here, it says they are forsaking God. There's actually real idolatry. They were following other gods. That was wrong. Follow other gods. But there is a second issue besides uh, what we consider religious idolatry. There was a, 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 a political, military idolatry, and that can be seen at the end of verse 7 that we read. Because God will deliver Judah not by the bow, sword, battle horses, or horsemen, which these other people put all their hope in. 
Their hope is all in military mights, policy, uh, 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 alliances, and politics. And the reason why is because this was a time where there was the rise of superpowers. And a superpower was arising by the name of the Assyrians, who are a vicious group of people who will annihilate you and make it so that you will, you will not exist anymore. So the need to have hope and power was huge during this time, okay? But there's a point of protecting yourself and then putting all your hope into the system of it. The third idolatry that was occurring during this time is not seen in the prophet Hosea, but seen in the prophet Amos. And prophet Amos clearly says what was happening is that the, as the nation of the split kingdom, split off kingdom, was getting prominent and wealthy, they were showing no respect and no regard for the poor. The prophet Amos, I'm going to do a paraphrase. He says, you people are, are like, you value the dirt on the poor people's head more than the poor people themselves. As if maybe we can grow a few more veggies from their dandruff, you know? No. You know, that, it is so disgusting, that imagery. But that's how the prophet of Amos was like condemning. You know, you people, you know, you're so wealthy, you don't even care. It's all about using people to get to where you want to be. And I'll tell you that. Yes, one word. Before we get into the uh, Hosea, Gomer, and the more personal things, this is more of the broad na uh, national view. In the Western world, and the Western world is very much dominated by material gain, success, and power that dominates us. I love the Bay Area. I'd love it more if I could drive a Tesla. <laughs> okay. I love Teslas, but I, I can't. I, gotta, um, I love the vibrancy of the Bay Area. I love eating out in the Bay Area. I love the food trucks. Okay, there's much to enjoy here. Some of you have been called to work here and you do well, very good for your career, it's a very exciting place to be. Here it is, I'm gonna be very blunt. As you enjoy the success of the Bay Area, don't you ever look down on the poor. you ever dare because then you face the same idolatry as this people that have forsaken God making money their God and making money their king and not understanding that we are all made in the image of God and every human being whether they are as smart as you or as rich as you they deserve the dignity of respect and good treatment and don't you ever value what they can do for you more than you value who they really are. You know, that's, that's, that's huge. I need to get off my, my, get off my head, you know, dangerous, you know. No, that's a really important, really important thing to do. Now, we move from the national realm of God and the nation into this imagery or this living parable that God calls Hosea to live out. And he is called to marry a woman that is known to be unfaithful. And um, 
just like it was meant to be. He has three children, and I don't know if you follow it. It is clear that the third child, he knows he's not the father. The first one, he's probably the father. The second one, coin flip. But the third one, he knows he's not the father. So what can you learn? Some of you will identify with one of these three characters, Hosea, Gomer, or the children. If you identify yourself with Hosea, then you are the person who's trying to keep things together, the faithful one, the better person in the relationship. I'm not saying anyone's perfect. You're the better person. You're not the one that is the troublemaker. You're not the one causing everyone to fail. You're trying to hold everything together, okay? That's the Hosea character. From now, we take it from the, the bigger picture into the interpersonal, personal level. What can you learn? What do you do as someone who's following God if you are in that situation? Someone around you is causing toxicity. Okay? It's all never happened. Oh, it'll happen. Maybe marriage, girlfriend, boyfriend. Oh, no one ever stab you with back at work. No one ever. <laughs> it was will. So what do you do? Three lessons. We've got to go quickly. The first lesson is that I see that Hosea has a great deal of patience. I see the patience not because it describes him as a patient person. It's because he, he's enduring this for three children. Okay? Serial infidelity, three kids. Okay, I don't know how long. I'm thinking it's at least three years, four years, okay? I would have given up first month, let alone four years. And here's the thing. A believer in Christ and someone who follows Christ has a higher degree of we can endure more because we always have hope of God to rectify things. Jesus talked about it when he said, if someone in the Sermon on the Mount, someone asks you to go a mile, you go another one. Double it. Always extension of grace. You endure more. And some of you are in the Hosea character. God is calling you. Yeah, I know it's a bad situation. A gracious patience and endurance in a bad situation. Go the extra mile. The second thing that we can learn, Hosea, is that he is not blind. Some people go the extra mile and they're like, they're in a dream world. They're thinking everything's fine, you know, eternal optimist. Okay, one thing I know about Hosea, he's very patient, okay? He's going up to child number three, but he knows what's going on and you know he's not going on. He knows what's going on by the naming of the children. Okay? He is not blind. And so here it is. He comes to the point in the passage in Hosea 2, 1 and 2, which I didn't read, I'll read now. Say to your brothers, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah, contend with your mother, contend, for she is not my wife, and I will not, I am not her husband. Let her put away her harlotry from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. He knows what she, she, should, he, she should do. Because from the human side of eternity, Patience is not endless. And there's a point that, look, I, I endured more than anyone 
would have told me to endure. But here's the line. And some of you, if you are the Hosea character, perhaps you endured long, but you got to draw a line. You're too easy. You see? But the third thing that the Hosea character understood is in the context of when I try to read myself in characters. I was always, well, I have to do that. I don't know if it's a problem. I think it's a problem, but I do it anyway. I'm not a perfect person. I said, if I was Hosea, I'd be really upset at God. You set me up for failure. Who wants a God to set you up for failure? No one wants that. I didn't sign up to be a believer in Jesus Christ to be set up for failure. This is a, really, this is a terrible thing. Here's, here's the thing. I said, why in God's all might does he set me up to be unhappy in my family life? Okay, that's only if you see yourself at the center of the world. There's going to be a, a slide coming up that kind of summarizes where I want it to go. As we grow in Christ, we move from myself as the center to the plan of God for this world as the center. Very, very important. It is not that Hosea needed to learn a lesson. It is that Hosea needed to understand the heart of God to truly begin to understand what a prophet was all about. He needed to understand God rather than just words in the Bible. It is not just him. It is the heart of God. If you think it's bad, think of God. Hundreds of years of this. Hundreds of thousands of people rejecting him. Whatever Hosea is experiencing, it is exponentially magnified in the eyes of God. And I tell you this. As you grow in a minister, anyone who ministers, and we all gifted, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, as you serve people, it is more than just telling them what the Bible says or giving people advice. It is begin to see yourself in the whole program of God and to really understand what he feels and what he sees and sees how his heart breaks for this world. That is why suffering in the New Testament is always viewed in a positive light because only in suffering do you understand the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. No one wants suffering. But we learn of God better. Some of you need to, from the Hosea perspective, have the greater, bigger vision of what God is doing and that he has not abandoned you, but perhaps giving you a close-up view of what he is like and what he has endured for our sake. <coughs> for some of you, you are not the Hosea. For some of you, you are the Gomer. And I gotta be blunt, you're the chronic problem. You're the unreliable person. You're the nail in the tire. And you don't admit it, but you know it. And what you need to do is confess 
And sometimes that's a hard thing to do, to confess and to say, I'm sorry. Help me change. And that's the Gomer character, the woman. But some of you are neither Hosea or Gomer. You are the children, Jezreel, Lo, Ruhamah, and Lo Ami. So who are these people? I often read myself as a character in the Bible. And I say, what happens if I was Jezreel or Lo Ruhamah or Lo Ami? I'd say to God, look, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. I'm a byproduct of a lousy marriage. I didn't ask for this, but I bear the result of it. Gee, thanks God. Gee, thanks God. Why Lo Ruhama? Why not the better name, Hazel? You know? Lo Ruhama. If any of you have ever been raised in a family where there was mistrust or great abuse or great neglect or great chemical dependency, violence, Poverty, I would dare say, or you were bullied, you were made fun of, you were beat up. You bear scars today as an adult. Okay? That you did not sign up for. I signed up to be six foot tall. I don't know what happened. I gotta tell you, when I was young, I said to myself, I didn't sign up to be Chinese, okay? I didn't sign up to be Chinese, you know? With the rise of China, now I sign up to be Chinese, but back then, I didn't sign up to be Chinese, you know? And just like say no. And so, what time is that you? You know what the mark of it? It's the mark of these three children. Violence and I'm unloved. I'm violent and I'm unloved. Okay, what was that you? There are two verses I want to read. Passages, they're on the right side of the column, and then there's a third, and the sermon's over. Verse 10 of chapter 1, Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, You are not my people, it will be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. This is right after the naming of the third child, you are not mine. In a strange way, this will play out very unusual in the history of Israel because the Assyrians will come and literally take the northern kingdom on the face of the earth. Only to have God, through his mercy, arise up even a greater and, gr and more powerful and a more majestic people, people that were not his, because in the defeat will come the mercy and the power of God to recreate, to reanimate, to reset, and to reclaim. 
How about for Gomer, the wife? Look at chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Bring her into the wilderness. Speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. It's going to be like we were newlyweds again. And all things are passed away. I don't know if you understand this, but there's a disconnect in this. You got chronic problems, kids that are unloved. The father knows the unfaithfulness of his spouse. The, the children are bearing sort of the, 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 the violence and the, and, and, the, and the no compassion in the family. And then all of a sudden, but you know what? There's going to be a day when all that trash is turned into gold and those who are unloved will be loved and those who are chronic failures will be restored. And it will be only through, as we know, through our Lord Jesus Christ and the grace that he will usher into us on the night that he was betrayed and he bore our penalty on the cross himself. There's a passage I will end. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonder, his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Clear illusion taking from Hosea's first chapters. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, there's something for everybody in this message. For Hosea, maybe more patience. Maybe a line in the sand, bigger perspective. Gomer, maybe a confession of the heart. But what happens if you're the children and you seem hopeless? You might even be Gomer and feel hopeless. What you need to understand is the capacity of God to restart your life and to bring into your life something that is even much more glorious than anything your past could hold you down to a chosen people, a holy people, a priesthood greater than ever of the problems that you can... You know, I'm going to tell you, the transformation ability of God in real time is real. And if you don't believe it, you're looking at a person. I see God's transformation in my life all the time. One of the greatest things about God and about Christ is his ability to reclaim and to restore and renew. And some of you need that. Some of you are Hosea. Some of you are Gomer. Some of you are the nation of Israel who puts all their hope in money and looks down on the poor. 
Some of you are innocent victims. Didn't sign up for this. But we all need the grace of God. Allow me the grace to pray for you. After the prayer will come an offering and then a receiving of offering and then the final song. Let me pray for you. I pray for these, my friends, at Cornerstone. Whatever message that the prophet Hosea gives, allow it to touch our lives in one specific way, that we have been changed by encountering you. Let the Spirit's words deeply massage our hearts and our minds, that we may see your grace and stand in dignity and in love and acceptance, chosen, loved, not because of what we are, but because through the grace that is found in Christ, we have received it. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.